Lord, speak through your word. We are listening. Amen. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I'd like for you to just throw out some adjectives for the ways you would describe the pattern of this world. Selfish. Selfish. Lust. Lust. Greed. Revenge. Revenge. Misleading. Sloth. Sloth. Any others? Pride. Greedy. Fear. Fear. Think about the, the weekly patterns and routines of people in the world today. Seems to be hectic, harried, busy, selfish, Greedy, some of the words that you've said today. I think it's a pursuit of our, our own goals and our, and our own plans and our own agendas. Uh, think a little bit about the, the way that our, our technology is forming the pattern of our life and the way that that is shaping us day by day. How many of us, the first thing that we do is grab this device and allow that to set the agenda and a pattern for our day. When you ask people how, how things are going in their life, very often what they'll describe is busy. How are you doing? I, so busy. And what's becoming clear to, to lots of people, um, healthcare researchers, psychologists, sociologists, um, is that the pace of our lives, this busyness, this anxiety, this activity, that it's not good for us. It's becoming more and more clear that these patterns, these routines that people live by, don't contribute to our health. They don't contribute to beneficial relationships. They don't contribute, certainly, to a rich relationship with God. The pattern of this world is killing us. And this shouldn't surprise us because the pattern of this world described in many of the the ways that you've described it has been set by our enemy who is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so in this, this next section of our curriculum, we're going to be talking about practices of a healing community. What are the the patterns and, and routines of people's lives who are a part of a healing community? What regular practices in our daily life and in our life together can we do that bring healing to our relationships with one another, healing to our own souls, and certainly move towards the healing in the relationship that God wants for us in our relationship with Him? And so over the next six weeks, as we continue on in this curriculum, we're going to look at practices of a healing community. What do people who are a part of a healing community, what do we do? And those uh, six practices are Sabbath rest, self-examination and confession, listening, play and laughter, laying on of hands and prayer for healing, and forgiveness and reconciliation. These are different practices that contribute to healing. These practices contribute to health and healing in our relationships with other people. It, It to the healing of our minds, the transformation of our minds, 
These practices can help us clear away the noise and the busyness of this world so that we can tune in and to walk in relationship with God. Because he is, as we've talked about the last three weeks, he is the source of our healing. It's our relationship with him where we experience healing. And these practices that we do on our own or together are ways that we learn to hear his voice, to help clear away the noise of life and to hear his word to us. So my, my first car was a 1983 Chevrolet Citation. And this isn't my car, but this could have been my car, okay? This is, even like the wheels look really familiar to me. Uh, My grandma sold me this car for $100. She saw me coming. (laughs) Can you believe a grandma would take advantage of her grandson like that? had burgundy interior, the, um, the ceiling like, would fall down, and so I'd have to like, tack it up. And it had, um, it had one of those knob radios, and I don't know when the last time those were made, but in 1983, my Chevrolet Citation had one of those knob radios where you had to gently turn it to tune it in to the station that you wanted to listen to. And if it just went just a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, you'd you lose the frequency of that station and you just hear static or noise or silence. I want to suggest that these practices that we're going to be looking at over the next six weeks are a way for us to to dial in, a way for us to adjust the frequency of our life that we are living so that we can learn to listen for and to hear what God is saying to us. And if we live according to the pattern of this world, and if our life is marked by the adjectives that you described earlier, we're going to miss his voice. So the first of these that we're going to talk about today is this practice of Sabbath rest. There are three points that I want to make in our sermon today. The first, that our Sabbath rest is a gift, that it is a day to learn to trust, And then it's a day to remember. Let's begin with this idea that Sabbath is a gift. Throughout history, there's been a lot of discussion and disagreements among Christians about what the Sabbath means for us as Christians, and even if we should practice it at all. Uh, The Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath, is one of the Ten Commandments. And in fact, if you read the instruction of the Ten Commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy, you will see that it's actually that commandment that gets the most attention has the most ink, most instructions about how to follow it. But at the same time, in Jesus' own life, Jesus seems to do all kinds of things on the Sabbath that broke all of those rules. If you're reading through the Gospels, it seems like the Sabbath was just Jesus' favorite day to get into trouble. (laughs) This is a day where he is always in conflict with somebody on the Sabbath. So among Christians, there's been all sorts of disagreements about what it means for us to follow Jesus and what it means for us to keep the Sabbath. Is it on Saturday for Christians or Sunday for Christians? Does the day of the week matter at all? Do we need to pay attention to this commandment at all? Can we just throw it out? If we do keep it, what can I do or not do on that day? Can I play sports? Can I work in my garden? And all those conversations are important and they're fine and they have their place. 
And if you want to talk about that with me this week, I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee and have a conversation about those kinds of questions. They have their place. But it's not the purpose of this sermon today. When we're talking about Sabbath rest as a practice of healing community, what I want to point out is that God made you to need both work and rest. That our bodies and our minds and our souls need a regular rhythm in our life of work and rest. And what we are encouraging you to do as a regular practice is to be intentional about this, to look at the pattern of your life, your own work schedule, the life of your family, and to set aside time, ideally some 24-hour day each week, to put down your effort and your striving and your hurry and the managing of your own life and to intentionally set it aside for rest and to remember the good work that God has done in your life. The main idea that I want to talk about today is Jesus' words in Mark chapter 2. So if you would turn with me to Mark chapter 2. This is a story of one of those Sabbath days where Jesus was getting into trouble. Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 23 through 28. Mark tells us this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath, even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians about how they might kill Jesus. I want to focus on this one phrase in Jesus' instructions here. That the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus says to them, and he says to us today, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given to you as a gift for your good, for your sake, for your benefit. People weren't made for the benefit of the Sabbath day. And in this very brief sentence, in these two different clauses, Jesus brilliantly guards us against the two different extremes that we can fall into when we talk about this topic of Sabbath rest. The first is the extreme of legalism. 
In the second half of this phrase where Jesus tells us that man was not uh, made for the Sabbath, he guards us against legalism. All of the rules and regulations, all of the energy that went around what day this should be and how it should be practiced and what particular rules should be made around uh, around this day made this day a burden to people. So Jesus says, remember, people weren't made for the Sabbath day. They weren't made for the sake of keeping the Sabbath. Rather, the Sabbath was made for people. And this guards us from the second mistake, which is to ignore it altogether. And Jesus is telling us here that it was made for people. It was made for you. Friends, it is a gift, a gift from God. And that second danger is to ignore it. But it would be foolish to ignore a gift from God. So the first half of Jesus' phrase here, I think, is one of the, for most of us here, most of us here is the one we need to pay attention to. For most 21st century Americans, we are in danger of ignoring the gift rather than abusing the gift through some legalistic rules and regulations. We need to guard ourselves against both, but I suspect that most of us give too little attention to taking a day each week of rest rather than too much attention to it. So as we're talking about Sabbath rest being a practice of healing community, what we're talking about is this idea that a day of rest each week is given to you as a gift from God. God made you. He designed you in such a way that in your life that you are called to both work and to rest. That your body and your mind and your soul are most healthy when you live your life in this regular rhythm of work and rest. And keeping the Sabbath is, is not in any way about earning God's favor. It's not about earning salvation. It's not some form of works righteousness. It's about receiving a gift from God. God knows what is good for you, and so he established this pattern of life for us. Established this pattern for us in Genesis 1 when he worked for six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested. When we live in this way, where we live in this pattern of work and rest, we are doing what God did. We're reflecting some part of God's image in us. God designed you to participate in both good work and regular, intentional rest. And both of these are necessary for health and for healing. They are necessary for you to live in right relationship with God and with other people around you, and it's good for your own soul. Second, Sabbath is a day to learn to trust in God. Many people's sense of identity and worth comes from being busy. We think that if we're busy, then that must mean that we're important. We tell people we're busy. If we tell people we're busy, then they'll think that we're important. Jesus was never busy. Can you imagine someone in the gospel stories coming up and saying, Jesus, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy. So many things to do today, not enough hours in the day to do them. Can you imagine that kind of attitude or posture from Jesus? There would actually be times in Jesus' ministry when he would 
leave a town and people would still be looking for him, hoping that he would heal them. Jesus didn't do all the things. He did all of the things that his father told him to do. But he didn't do everything. There were people in Galilee who were still sick when he left their their town. There are some of you who take on the burden of the whole world. And if you are someone like that, Sabbath rest is an important reminder to trust. That you serve the one who is the beginning and the end of time. The Alpha and the Omega. And so you don't need to carry the whole world on your shoulders. You don't need to always be busy in order to be somebody. You are known and loved by the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and you can trust him with the world. You can trust him with your own life. Sabbath rest is also a day to remember. Two different times in in the Old Testament where God gives the instructions um, of the Ten Commandments. One is in Exodus and one is in Deuteronomy. And if you read those two instructions of the Ten Commandments, when it comes to the Sabbath, as I said earlier, the most detailed instructions are about that day. But the reason that the Israelites were to observe the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, were different, one in Exodus and one in Deuteronomy. Let's read those together. First says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Now pay attention to this. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what's the reason in Exodus for why the Israelites were to observe the Sabbath day? Because the Lord did? Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth? It's a reminder of Genesis 1 and 2 and how God worked in creation. Let's look at the instructions in Deuteronomy. The first part is almost exactly the same, but then it says this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So what was the reason given in Deuteronomy? Their salvation, their delivery from the hands of the Egyptians. And so the Israelites, as they are instructed to observe the Sabbath day, they are called to remember the work of God in creation and the work of God in their salvation. And both of those works of God were works that the Israelites had nothing to do with. (laughs) They didn't have any participation in it at creation, and the work of the Exodus was completely the work of the hand of God. And so they are called to look back and to remember God's saving work and his creative work in their life. The Sabbath day is a reminder to us that we can trust that the world does not depend on us and our salvation 
does not depend on us. The world does not depend on you and your work. If you go a day without working, the sun is going to rise and set on that day. Your salvation does not depend on you and your work. You are sustained and saved, not ultimately by your work, but by the work of another. So I want to take just a couple minutes here to give some practical suggestions for how to think about your own practice of of Sabbath rest. The first is this, that you're going to need to decide to do this because it's not just going to happen. It's something you need to decide. Taking a day a week to rest and to remember the work of God is not going to just happen, and you may even need to make preparation for it. Friday, in the life of Jewish people, is called Preparation Day. It's a day where they prepare for the rest that they are going to take the next day. They do some extra work, they prepare food, do some cleaning of the house in order to make it possible for them to rest on that Sabbath day. There are some of you who work jobs, and I'm so grateful for you. I'm a man of routine. Those of you who are police officers, who are firefighters, who are doctors and nurses and PAs, you all work these schedules. I just can't imagine (laughs) in my life doing that. It's going to take intention, if that's your kind of schedule, to think, how in the next seven days am I going to find a day to rest? Find a day to remember the work of God in my life. So in addition to deciding and being intentional about it, you need to consider how your time will be spent. It could be important to spend some time reading Scripture. There are some of you who rarely read the Bible at all throughout the week. Could you set aside a day where you take extra time to open your Bible and to read it and consider the Word of God for you in your life? There's a a Jewish parable that says those who work with their minds need to Sabbath with their hands, and there are those who work with their hands who need to Sabbath with their minds. So if you're a person who builds houses all day, it may or may not be the best practice to do all of the chores around your house and to fix all of the plumbing in your house that day. If you're a person like me who mostly works with his mind, it's good for me to be active and to exercise and maybe to to tend to the garden or to the lawn. Those who work with their hands, it's good to Sabbath with their minds, and those who work with their hands need to, uh, you know what I mean. (laughs) Consider what it is that God is calling you to do, a day that would be a day where you have space to remember him, a day to commit yourself to rest and rejuvenation for your own self. It's also a day for, for community. In those passages in Exodus and Deuteronomy, he says, remember all of the servants in your household and all of your family members and even your animals, that the whole community is involved in this. And so the Sabbath day isn't just like a me day, to do whatever it is that I want to do. Um, This is a day for us to engage others, to engage family, to engage friends. It's a day to remember the work of God in your life. In Matthew chapter 11, 
Jesus says these words, Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, all of you who are sick, all of you who are tired of the pattern of this world, all of you who are distracted by the noise and static of this world, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, Jesus says, come to me. Friends, your final rest is found in relationship with Jesus. And I've always loved this verse. It's one of these verses that remind me how kind Jesus is. It reminds me that he sees me, that he knows my life. He knows the stress and the frustrations that I experience and that he is available to give me rest in those times of my life. Jesus says to me and to you, take his yoke upon, to take his yoke upon myself. What's a yoke? It's it's a piece of farming equipment that joined animals together, oxen or, or horses or mules or whatever, to be joined together to do a work together. It was placed on the back of the animals and united them together to do the work of plowing the field or whatever work it was. This verse, Jesus is saying to me and to you, come and be joined together with me in the work that I am doing in the world. Rather than the anxious activity where you are working really hard on your own projects, your own self-improvement, your own plans to save the world, come and join me and do this work together with me. So I've always read this verse as this, as this invitation into this intimate and personal relationship with Jesus, permission to go and to, to take time away and retreat with Jesus, and it is that. But this week, my eyes were open to an even bigger picture of what this verse is all about. Because in the very next chapter, the very next section of the Gospel of Matthew, is Matthew's version of those two stories that I read earlier from Mark about Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees about the Sabbath. There were rabbis in Jesus' day who talked about following the Torah, following the, the law, and they called it a yoke. There are references in the Old Testament as the, the, the law as a yoke, and rabbis of Jesus' day would talk about obedience to the law as a yoke. He who takes upon himself, one, one rabbi said this, he who takes upon himself the yoke of the Torah, from him shall be taken away the yoke of worldly care. He who takes upon himself the yoke of the Torah, from him shall be taken away the yoke of worldly care. And the idea that these rabbis wanted to communicate is that God's law is good for us. God's law is good for people. Those who follow it will be healthy and whole, will experience God's salvation. But here, Jesus makes this bold claim. Come to me and take on my yoke, and I will take away worldly care. I will take and give you rest. So when Jesus says, come to me, take my yoke upon me, he's saying more than just come and take a quiet retreat with me. 
When he says, come to me, take my yoke on you, and I will give you rest, he is saying that it is in relationship with me that the purpose of the law is fulfilled. Where there are some rabbis during Jesus' day saying, come to the law and take on the yoke of the law and it will give you rest, Jesus says, come to me. It is in me and in relationship with me that you are going to find true rest. And so the Gospel of Matthew follows up this verse with this story about the controversies around the Sabbath. And we can see then if the Pharisees would have heard Jesus saying, come to me and I will give you rest. They're saying, no, 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 no. You come to the law in order to get rest. And Jesus says, come to me. And you can see why they were tuned in to see why, what Jesus was going to do on the Sabbath day. This is a reminder, friends, that your salvation, your rest, will not come from your own efforts to keep the Sabbath or whatever law the best way that you can. Your salvation comes from the work of another. It comes from the work of Jesus, taking taking all of the effort upon himself. And then he then gives you his yoke to walk with him. Friends, this idea of rest, of Sabbath rest, is at the very heart of the good news of Jesus. We believe that we are saved by grace and not by our works. Our salvation is found in the work that Jesus has done for us. We believe that our life in this world, our eternal life forever, is given to us as a gift, stained forever by the grace and work of God and not by our own effort. There's other parts in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, and in Revelation 21 and 22, where they describe our eternal life as a place of rest, a place where we go, and Revelation 21 and 22 gives us this this picture that sounds a whole lot like the Garden of Eden, where the, the fruit trees are abundant, and the leaves of the tree are for our healing, the healing of the nations, a place where we'll be at rest, where there's not going to be any mourning or crying or pain. Described as a place where there's always going to be enough for everyone. We don't have to strive and grasp for more and more and more. And when we pause one day each week, we are called, as Exodus and Deuteronomy tells us to, to remember the work that God has done for us in the past of our creation and making the world and creating our own bodies as well as the the salvation that he has done for us already in Jesus through the cross and the resurrection. And what Hebrews 4 and Revelation 21 and 22 say to us is that when we practice a day of rest, we can also remember the work that God is going to do in the future when he returns. That we can right now participate, get a taste in the rest that we're going to enjoy forever. Lord, you... You know what we need. You know uh, the place, places of hurry and distraction and greed and mistrust that each one of us carry. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you will give us the courage to, to consider what it would mean to live according to the pattern that you gave to us of having six days of our life that is committed to good work that you give to us and to have a day of rest where we remember, where we learn to trust in you, where we learn to receive this life as a gift. Lord, I pray that, that this sermon today would bring, bring freedom in our lives, that it would bring health and healing to our lives, 
healing in our relationship with our, our own heart and mind, healing in our relationships with other people, healing in our relationship with you. Lord, thank you that you invite us to come to you and to not pick up any other burden or job, any other yoke that's not ours to carry, but that we come to you and that you give us your yoke and your yoke alone to carry. Lord, I pray whatever, whatever work that is for each one of us, that you would direct us to it. Show us what it is. We thank you for the yoke that Joe and Tammy, that you've given to them. We believe that it's a yoke from you, and it's your yoke for them. I pray that you would use them, give them both fruit from their good work, and Lord, rest for their souls as they enter into this new season. Lord, for the brother who came forward today to, to say yes to whatever you're saying to him, Lord, I pray that you would make the way for him to the good work that you have for him. And it would be work that is restful and life-giving, that it would set him free in all of the gifts that you've given to him to use them for your glory. I pray that for each one of us, that we would know the good work that you have for us to do, that we wouldn't pick up anything that's not ours, but like Jesus, that we would respond to you and to the word that you are speaking to us. And that we would remember that, that even the results of that work are not ours, but yours, and that we can rest. Lord, I pray that this, this practice of regular rest would be a part of the pattern of our lives here at Broadway. That we would be a people who do all of our work from that place of grace and rest. Not from hurry and anxiety and grasping, from that, but that place of trust in you. Would you teach us to do that? I pray that as we do that, that you would do the work of healing in our own, our own mind, our own bodies, our own souls, that you would do the work of healing in our relationships. And Lord, would you restore and reinvigorate and enliven and inflame our relationship with you? Heal those parts of our lives that we are hiding or that are broken from you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.